Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. This is Tony Richards, along with Chief Producer Bill Foster. Hello, Tony. And it's the holiday shopping season, so I want to start out by reminding you that if you go to clearvisiondevelopment.com, we are offering something special for you right now to show our appreciation for all the wonderful support that you have given us throughout 2018. For a limited time, you can download my seven-part leadership development course called the Leadership Influence Series. And this is an MP3 download, absolutely no charge at all. How can you make sure that your leadership style is effective? Well, this audio seminar that I did quite some time ago, but it's, it's really a wonderful piece of work, and I get a lot of compliments on it, is going to teach you about the illegitimate and legitimate sources of influence. And uh, sometimes some of the tactics that we use are quite illegitimate and uh, actually do more harm than good, while others are very legitimate and do a lot of good as far as leading other people. And I'm going to tell you about all of that in this Leadership Influence Audio Seminar. In uh, tape number one, we're going to talk about growth constraints. In number two session, we're going to talk about position being an illegitimate source of influence. In uh, session three, we're going to talk about power as an illegitimate source of influence. And in uh, session four, we're going to talk about your personality as being an illegitimate source of influence. On session five, we're going to talk about your character as being a legitimate source of influence. In session six, your track record as a legitimate source of influence. And finally, on session seven, we're going to talk about your preparation as a legitimate source of influence. On each of these seven uh, sessions now, uh, you will get an email from us containing your daily leadership development audio file. So you can check this out. It's at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Go into our shop. And the Leadership Influence 7-Day Audio Seminar is available for free download right now. All you got to do is add it to your cart, check out, no payment needed, because we love you and we appreciate all your support that you have given us in 2018. Speaking of supporting us, we'd like for you to give us a review of our podcast and also give us a five-star rating. That helps us generate more interest and helps us in the search engines and things like that. And it helps us be a podcast that people recommend. And uh, we're trying to get 50 of those five-star ratings by the end of the year. Do you have a nice uh, holiday? Yeah, I did. How about you? Yeah, it was it was nice. I, I enjoyed it. And I'm ready for the stretch drive to Christmas. Now, what were you telling me about the month of December? Like it's weird different than... Yeah, I, I heard that there are five Saturdays, five Sundays, and five Mondays in December. And so why is this happening? I think it's just mathematical. And the last time it happened was over 800 years ago. Oh, my. Yeah. But it isn't the Mayans all over again or anything. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, but you never know. I have lived long enough now to live through the 1988 earthquake that was going to kill us all. <laughs> and the Y2K. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, you know, and the, the 2012 Mayan calendar. Uh-huh. And now I am bound and determined to get through this December <laughs> that has five, what, five Mondays, five Saturdays, and five, five Sundays. Sundays. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we have a, a bonus weekend. Christmas Eve's on a Monday, is that right? And Christmas is on a Tuesday, maybe. And New Year's Eve and New Year's the same the next week. So... Coming up in just a few minutes in our green room waiting to come into the studio, we got Todd Burke from Tactical Solutions, and he's going to be talking to us about safety and security. I wanted to have him on just because during the holiday season, it's hustle and bustle, and maybe we ought to slow down and look around and check out our environment a little bit. So Todd's going to be here and talk to us about safety and security. Before we get to that, though, 
couple of news items. I just read some new research on how do people want to communicate with each other nowadays. And and this is by uh, demographic and also by mode of communication. This is a pretty valid survey because it is in excess of 1,820 U.S. adults. First one is in person. And I was just telling a group, I was working with a board yesterday, and I was telling them that the most trusted message is always from a friend. So you always trust a recommendation made by a friend or someone you know uh, over any other kind of advertisement or anything like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, people prefer to be communicated with in person across all of these demographics more than any other way. So in total, 42% prefer to be communicated with in person. 18 to 34, 44%. 35 to 64, 40%. And 65 plus, 45%. Prefer a one-on-one in-person communication. Next is texting. 21% uh, in total prefer the texting. 18 to 34, 28%. 20%. 3564 and 13% 65 plus. Phone call 18 to 34 10%, 3564 18% and 65 plus 18% prefer a phone call. Email 18 to 34 10%, 3564 17% and 65 plus 18%. You know what I always say about email back in 1992 when email first came out. They said, old people will never use email. Now they say, only old people use email. (laughs) (laughs) Social media, 18 to 34, 2%. 35, 64, 1%. And 65 plus, 3%. So the 65 plusers are leading the social media there a little bit, which you would have said isn't true, I would think. Right. Video chat, 1834, 2%. 3564, 2%. 65 plus, 0%. <laughs> Goose egg. <laughs> Donut. Nobody 65 plus said video chat. Well, I'm guessing because they can't figure it out. I don't know. I, I've told people often, I wish my mother, I wish I could get my mom to do Skype. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because I would like to get on our Sunday night call and see her. Right. Um, but she just won't have anything to do with well, it. Well, my parents still don't have a cell phone. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, my mom does have a cell phone. Now, it's, it's kind of a prehistoric cell phone, and I can text her pictures, but I can't really have a conversation with her by text. <laughs> <laughs> we may sleep with our smartphones and spend multiple hours a day staring at device screens, but almost half of American adults say... They prefer in-person communication. The rapid rise of social media and smartphones led some experts to worry that digital communication would replace face-to-face interaction, potentially leading to weaker relationships and less productivity. But the results show that adults still value the human connection of an in-person conversation over text messages by 21 points. Here are the coming distractions. The proportion of teens who prefer in-person interaction has plummeted from 49% in 2012 to 32% today. Texting is now the favorite mode of communication per a survey of 13 to 17-year-olds by Common Sense Media. 54% of teens agree that using social media often distracts when they are trying to be with people. And 44% say they get frustrated when their friends are using their phones while hanging out. 55% say they hardly ever or never put their device away when hanging out with friends. Here's an interesting topic. Should you sit or stand more at work? I, well, me personally, I prefer to sit, but I've, I've heard it's healthier to stand. What is that, very desk or whatever you can buy? You can sit or stand. You can crank it up if you want to stand. Well, I know my brother has a uh, treadmill desk where he just walks while he's doing his work. Research suggests that warnings about sitting at work are overblown and that standing desks are overrated as a way to improve your health, says Aaron Carroll, a pediatrics professor who writes for the New York Times. 
Dr. David Rimple, a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, said, well-meaning safety professionals and some office furniture manufacturers are pushing sit-or-stand workstations as a way of improving cardiovascular health, but there is no, I repeat, no scientific evidence to support this recommendation. Alternating standing and sitting while using a computer may be useful for some people with low or ne- low back or neck pain, but people shouldn't be under the illusion they're getting exercise. Huh. Here's kind of a sad deal. The oldest survivor of Pearl Harbor has passed away. Ray Chavez, the nation's oldest surviving veteran of the attack on Pearl Harbor, died this past week at the age of 106. The San Diego Union Tribune reports Kathleen Chavez, who had been her father's live in caregiver for more than 20 years, said he passed away peacefully in his sleep. Chavez surged into national prominence three years ago when fellow Pearl Harbor veterans recognized him as the oldest survivor of the 1941 Japanese attack that ushered in the U.S. to World War II. In 1938, at the age of 27, He joined the Navy and was assigned to minesweeper USS Condor at Pearl Harbor. At 3.45 a.m. on December 7, 1941, Seaman First Class Chavez's crew was sweeping the east entrance to the harbor when they spotted the periscope of a Japanese midget submarine. After depth charges were dropped to sink the sub in 1,500 feet of water, the rest of the morning passed uneventfully. Chavez was asleep at home in a nearby Iwa beach when the Japanese bombing raid began at 8.10 a.m. At its peak, the Pearl Harbor Survivors Association had 58,000 members. Today, there are fewer than 200, according to Stu Headley, who's 97, who heads the association's now 10-member San Diego chapter. Digital Licenses for Drones The FFA is significantly behind earlier schedules for crafting airborne identification rules for drones, causing industry officials to worry the delay could stymie their most ambitious plans for years. This was in the Wall Street Journal. Some experts believe regulations aren't likely to come until 2022, and many agree drones need electronic license plates for reliable mobile tracking. But few agree on how it should work. The FFA could propose standard regulations this month allowing small drones to fly over crowds in populated areas, but other regulations will take years to iron out. Drone sales exploded in 2017, surpassing the $1 billion mark for the first time. Wow. Okay, so toy trends for this Christmas. Adults want cozy, kids want gross. Of course. Cozy sweaters and soft pajamas are in for adults this year. Kids, meanwhile, are asking for board games featuring fake poop (laughs) and fake pimples, according to the Associated Press. Target, Kohl's, and other retailers are pushing cozy goods. That means pajamas for the family, weighted blankets, fuzzy mules, and everything Sherpa, from socks to sweatshirts. Gross sells big in the toy business. In one game called Don't Step In It, (laughs) (laughs) players are blindfolded and have to avoid stepping in soft clay-like poop. Well, you know, that speaks to the 14-year-old in me. A unicorn version of the game features poop in bright colors. Both have been on Amazon's list of best-selling toys. Another popular game is Pimple Pete. Players pull, wiggle, or twist out squishy zits from a plastic face. And losers get squirted with water. Well, at least it's just water. The LOL Surprise brand is a hot seller again so far this year. Kids peel each layer of a shrink-wrapped plastic ball to reveal dolls, stickers, or other trinkets. Walmart has recently introduced WalmartToyLab.com a new digital playground where shoppers can play with 20 top toys on their computer or tablet. They can also share their favorites on a digital wish list. At the store, Walmart's app now helps shoppers find the exact location of a particular item in the store. 
Amazon and eBay are taking a page from traditional retailers and printing their own catalogs. Amazon is shipping its toy book to shoppers' mailboxes, while eBay placed a short six-page version inside People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive issue. One thing missing from Amazon's toy book is... I don't know. The price. Ah. The online retailer tells readers to pick up a phone, open the Amazon app, or take a snap of the toy to see how much it costs. Both companies are trying to make a play for former shoppers of Toys R Us. What do you want for Christmas? You want some uh, don't step in it game? (laughs) You read my mind. All right, everybody, get Bill a don't step in it game. That's what he wants. You can send that to 20 East Southampton Drive, Columbia, Missouri, 65203. And finally, our stat of the day, and then we're going to get to Todd Burke. People who were asked to summon up memories of being powerful judged themselves to be an average of six inches taller in comparison with a pole with a measurement. This was in comparison with people who were asked to remember being powerless This research was done by Washington University and Cornell University. Moreover, being physically elevated makes a person feel both powerful and seem powerful to others, researchers say. Remember when you used to go to the pharmacy and they were that much bigger than you? Up, up, up higher? Uh Uh-huh. And you were down lower and it was big, big me, little you? Mm -hmm. I also saw while I was down in Kentucky at our place down there, we got back on Thanksgiving night and it's a wonderful life was on. And so we ended up sitting and watching the whole thing. And when uh, Jimmy Stewart goes over to Mr. Potter's office and Mr. Potter is going to offer him a job, Jimmy Stewart sits down and he sits down in the chair and it's about two inches lower. <laughs> Mr. Potter's up high and he's down low. Uh-huh. So there you go. If you want to feel an average of six inches taller, just feel, <laughs> feel being powerful or find a way to elevate yourself and you will have feelings of power. Or, hey. Stand more at work. It's not going to be exercise, but hey, it'll make you feel more powerful because you're going to be elevated. All right. Todd Burke's coming up next to talk about safety and security. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, along with Chief Producer Bill. And we've got a special guest on the show today that I want to welcome aboard. Todd Burke uh, is here from Tactical Specialties. He's a safety and security expert here in Columbia, Missouri. And I had a chance to hear him speak at a training not too long ago at one of my clients. And I thought he would be excellent to have on our show. We're coming up on the holiday season and we're thinking about safety and security for everybody everybody during these uh, merry holidays and I want to I want to talk to him about that Todd welcome to our program 
Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Appreciate so, it, Tony. Yeah, so glad to have you. Tell uh, everybody a little bit about your background. And uh, you do this business with your wife, too, don't you? Yeah, my whole family is involved, mainly because it's not something that we do. It's a part of who we are. This is us. You know, hi, welcome to my job. Yeah. But my background is uh, 35 years in emergency services, police, fire, and EMS. Uh, almost all of that is in the central Missouri, Columbia Police Department, Boone County Sheriff's Department. Boone County firefighter for 22 years, uh, paramedic with Boone Hospital. And uh, my wife is of a similar ilk. Her service is in uh, paramedicine and the fire service. And uh, she now is a licensed practical counselor. She uh, got her master's degree in that. After 20 years of keeping our family together by being a stay-at-home mom, uh, she has returned to counseling. I hear that's a very good thing. Boy, I mean, if you want to know about my family, I can spend all of our time talking about that. Sure. Well, tell me a little bit more. You guys train folks, right? That's what you do at Tactical Specialties. Correct. Uh, Our product is training. I've been a trainer for a number of years. Fortunately, I had some really great people that I admire invest in me to teach me how not just to uh, stand and deliver, but also the uh, importance of researching, creating a lesson plan, documenting your information, getting it approved and accredited. You know, there's there's a lot more to it than, than meets the eye. However, training is what I do, what we do. Predominantly what I do now is uh, either uh, firearms, defensive tactics related, uh, emergency and tactical medical. I've been working with church security ministries for about 10 years now with a group Stratagos International, who I will shamelessly plug. I'm their, uh, their firearms program manager, and uh, I oversee their less lethal and uh, medical programs. But when you ask, how did I get this way? How did I get started? Or or, as some people think, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) I really think it was the Boy Scouts. I mean, I I got into Cub Scouting and then Boy Scouting and really connected with that. And before I discovered football in high school that then occupied all of my time, I just found it something very much appealed to me about being prepared. Uh, I heard something on the radio just coming in for our interview today. And that is... uh, Food preparation, you know, uh, dehydrated food and having something on the shelves. You know, we, we save in IRAs and we, we have insurance plans and those kinds of things. But there's there's a real difference in insurance and assurance, life insurance versus life assurance. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what will keep you safe and secure and alive? That just appealed to me. You know, I, I think everybody ought to know how to do some basic, simple things. Uh, stop uncontrolled bleeding, open an airway put out a fire, uh, help someone else that's in distress, defend themselves and others. I mean, you know, skills that uh, the the more technology-oriented we get, the more our basic human skills, I think, tend to go away. That's awesome. You know, one of the things, uh, I, you only had an hour to give your presentation, and I, I could tell as a as somebody who does a lot of teaching and instruction, I could tell you had a lot more um, that you could have done. Um, but in that hour, one of the things that really struck me was you did a really good job of setting the tone of Folks, you got to take a look at the world we live in today, and right. you have to take a look at why the world is the way it is today. And you talked a lot about uh, the mentality of of some folks. Um, would you talk a little bit about that today? Sure. And again, it, it goes back to you know, technology really fools us in a lot of ways. If we live through what we see on TV and we don't pay attention to what's actually going on around us, uh, that can be a really stark harsh realization, you know, to see riots and things on TV, uh, as opposed to walking into your local store and there's nothing on the shelves. Uh, it's, it's different when you see it in person. Something that, uh, I remember that we talked about, uh, is called the normalcy bias. And really what that means is we see things or don't see things because we want to, or we don't want to. The reason that people have a startle response when something scares them, shocks them, takes them off guard, uh, that's a God-given gift, I, I very much believe. But it's what happens after that initial startle response, what we do or we don't do. Uh, do we just stand there and watch, which I, I really, 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 I'm disgusted in. You know, People take out their phones and they want to videotape everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we, We've become such a voyeuristic society. And instead of videotaping someone burning to death why don't you put down your phone and you know knock them down and put out the flames yeah, we, we, we've just been fed so much trauma we, we want to capture it and be part of 
that distribution for some reason. Yes, and we could go off on a tangent and talk about the violent video games and how they play into children growing up today. But to answer your your initial question, the normalcy bias, when someone doesn't believe something or doesn't want to see it, therefore they don't. Uh, They ignore it or they don't believe it and they act as if it's not happening. In a social setting, that can have uh, unfriendly consequences. However, in a life-threatening situation, it can cost you your life. One of the things I was thinking of on the way in is I believe that people are fundamentally good. You know, I I really do. I I think there's a lot more good people uh, who certainly could stand to learn, myself included, uh, then there are the the wolves preying upon you know the good sheep. Sure. But unless you're going to acknowledge that you need some skill building, you don't know everything. One of, one of the biggest outcomes of evaluations in my classes, people tend to they say, I didn't know what I didn't know, and that is such a deep insight because we tend to think that we're nicer than maybe we are, that we're more skilled than maybe we are, better drivers than maybe we are and add more distractions, add texting, add heavier traffic, add weather conditions. And even though you heard on television, hey, be careful, it's going to be wet and icy and you know, watch out for the other guy. And then there's 80 wrecks that afternoon. Yeah, I just believe that nobody gets up in the morning, puts their feet on the floor and says, boy, I'm really going to be bad today. I'm, I'm really going to go out and see how many people's day I can mess up. You sure. Know, they're not intentionally trying to do that. I right. I agree with that. Um, one of the things that you talked about, and, and I can relate to this because I, I have a lot of interaction with people. Uh, and as a trainer, you interact and work with a lot of people. And you talked about how there's just, with, with some generations, uh, there's just a refusal to listen, to do things a certain way because of they want to revert to what's normal to them, which actually may not be what's supposed to be. Right? Exactly. And we've all been through it because at some point, almost all of us had mom and dad and we lived at home. The preteen and the teen years, and I experienced it with my kids. They don't want to, and and they'll show you with the disgust on their face that, no, they don't want to, they're not going to. Well, when I grew up, my mom and dad said, you do it, and I did it. And consequences are the natural result of behavior. Right. I think people today, they don't see the consequences. Everyone thinks that uh, if something's going to happen, well, it, maybe it won't be very bad. Or if I do get in trouble, I can talk my way out of it. Or if I do get into a tough spot, I can push a button and somebody will come and fix it for me. The lack of self-reliance. I mean, before my daughters, before I would allow them to get their driver's license and drive, and they knew this up front, you had to be able to show me that you could check and change all the fluids on the vehicle. You had to be able to check tire pressures. You had to be able to change a flat tire and change a serpentine belt. If you want to be able to drive on your own in one of my vehicles, then you're going to prove to me you can do that. That may seem very simple, but if you have your kid do that, you can apply that to other parts of your life, you know, other parts of their life. Yeah. Maybe not live in fear so much when it's, you know, 11 o'clock on Friday night and, well, they said they were going to be home at 1030 and I haven't gotten a phone call yet. But it starts really simply. I just think that more people should approach things that way. You know, when you walk out of your out of your front door, when you're going to leave what you think is your safe space, you know, you're venturing out into the unknown. You bet. You know, it's the holiday season that uh, we just kicked off here after Thanksgiving, and things are going to be busy, of course. And I was telling you before we started, uh, while while we were waiting to to go on the air here, is that last night I had an experience. I got out of my truck at a grocery store here in Columbia, and a guy approached me right away. Uh, As soon as one of my feet hit the pavement, he was right on top of me asking for money. And, uh, you know, I think I handled it pretty well, but you know, people are going to have that holiday season or not holiday season, but because it is the holiday season, there are going to be uh, probably more of those kinds of things. What are some things we need to be aware of uh, as we're out on the streets during the holiday season? Well, the first thing that I tell folks is, number one, you have to be able to accept responsibility for your own safety. If you're not willing to be uh, responsible for yourself, then I can't help you. And there's no point in in talking about it any further. So, okay, I will accept responsibility for for my safety. Then the second thing is, if you don't want to be eaten, then don't look like food. And that can be how you dress. It can be how you behave and how you carry yourself. We can sit back on a park bench and just watch groups of people. and, And you can tell the person who's paying attention, who's confident, and the person who absolutely isn't paying attention to anything going on around them. 
So when you look at the what we call the victim mindset or the victim mentality, victims are chosen, and it's it's not a random thing. The person, whether it's a panhandler who's going to get a little pushy, or it's the professional criminal that's making a living off of other people, there's lots of precursor warning signs that you know we can pick up on, and there's a lot of things that we can do to prevent it. Uh, number one, dress for success. You know, don't wear clothing that constricts you, doesn't allow you to move freely and defend yourself, or footwear that doesn't allow you to run a short distance. The other thing is situational awareness is just absolutely paying attention to what's going on around you. And that is not a stressful mental condition. It's not something where you've got an adrenaline dump, but it's simply knowing where are you in relation to potential threats, adversaries, danger areas, avoid those, move a different direction. We tell our kids don't walk up next to a dumpster, a panel van, you know, large vehicles where they can be grabbed and pulled into, you know, observe, keep your head up, your head's on a swivel, look around, pay attention, look both ways before you cross the street. What, what are your uh, rules about talking on your phone? Well, my rules, and I'll, I'll tell you, because I do talk on my phone when I'm driving. I don't text and drive, but I do talk on my phone and drive. And I guess, you know, for 35 years, I'm used to operating a a radio as an emergency responder, but I guess what I was thinking when you were talking was that I, I see people all the time who they leap right out of their vehicle. They've got their phone to their ear. They close their door, they lock and they walk and talk like they wouldn't have any situational awareness because they're engaged in that conversation. Yes. And, and the, the phone is an interesting dichotomy because most people look at their phone as a useful safety device where they can call and get help. And that's true if they could actually dial and get help coming. However, in the four or five minutes or 15 or 20 minutes that it takes to get help, a lot of things can happen. So I see the phone for most people as a danger. And that is because that's where their attention is focused, whether they're talking on it, texting on it, surfing on it. Look at a group of people and look at the direction of their head. It's a 45 degree down angle at their hand, which has their phone in it. That causes problems when they're driving a vehicle. You know, everybody that's listening to this, you know, maybe today on their way to whatever they were doing, saw somebody cross the center line or go over on the shoulder. And then as you passed them, you looked and they were on their phone. Mm -hmm. That is a huge danger in our culture, our society today. I'm not of the belief that we should, you know, get away from them, but we just have to do a better job of being responsible. For instance, uh, you know, we we talked about uh, firearms and the concealed carry permitting process and all of that. I don't believe that you should have to get a permit to carry a pistol. I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe the Second Amendment is very clear. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you can walk into farm and home and purchase a chainsaw and have zero experience with that chainsaw, but you have the right to walk in and buy the biggest one that you can handle and go out, fire it up, and cut down a tree. You are responsible for whatever consequences you cause when you fell that tree. So how am I equating talking on the phone with, you know, doing something dangerous with a chainsaw? I don't think most people realize what danger they put themselves and others in when they use their phone in an inappropriate place. You know, what I try to tell, um, I don't believe in time management. I only believe in you management, right? So you, you can't you can't manage uh, a liquid resource like time. It goes on without you. Um, whether or not you do anything or not. It's it's what you do in those moments that's important. And so when I'm talking about that, I just talk like, you know, email is there to serve me. I'm not there to serve email. The right. phone is there to serve me. I'm not there to serve the phone. You have to get, put the first thing first, right? Put right. things in their right place um, to manage those things better. Now, during this holiday season, there are going to be a lot of store owners who are going to have a lot of different people coming in, maybe probably people they've never seen before shopping their store for the first time. The store is going to be a lot more crowded. Um, what are some things they need to be thinking about? Are you talking about the uh, from the perspective of shopper or a person that owns a store? Either. either. Um, you know, the awareness thing is so huge. Uh, and, and don't be in a hurry. Just be familiar with your surroundings. Look around. Don't shop by yourself. You know, shop with a friend. And, and this is a great thing to teach your kids taking them shopping. What are you looking for? Well, look both ways. We cross the street, pay attention to the parking lots. Gee, what what I need to look for in a parking lot? Well, everybody's busy and in a hurry. Look for the engine that's running. Look for the reverse lights that are coming on. That person backing out of the space might back right into you. you know? mm-hmm. So just getting to the store safely. Getting inside, look around first. As you walk into the store, does it look like business as usual is going on or is there a problem? 
You know, is, is the store in, uh, being held up? Is there somebody in danger? While this may sound silly, you know, who, wow, how likely am I to walk into a robbery? Well, I can't tell you what the percentage is, but it happens, and it, it happens every day. Keep your money under control. You know, when you make your purchase, put everything away. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you buy something and there's three people waiting in line, you're in a hurry to get out of the way, let them do their business. Well, you know what? Put your credit card away, put your cash away, tuck it in your pocket, get everything securely underneath your arm, and then take your time and walk away. We're, we're just all in too much of a doggone hurry. Mm-hmm. Just slow down. I think more than anything else, just look at other people. Watch and see what they're doing. Are they? Do they look like they're shopping or do they look like they are looking at something or, or at you? I, I ask women in classes all the time, raise your hand if you've ever felt like somebody was, was following you in a store. And almost every woman raises her hand. Mm. So what do you do and how are you going to be prepared for that? Find a manager, a manager somebody that works in the store, or simply walk directly up to that person, look them in the eye and say, are you following me? That is not the person that tends to be confronted. You know, the, the person that is self-aware, self-assured, and makes eye contact, that is the number one thing that a woman can do to stave off an attack, is to make eye contact, make direct eye contact, and stare, even though we've been taught that maybe that's impolite. Or for people who they're not, they don't feel empowered to have that confrontation. They don't enjoy that, you know. Right. Uh, even in casual conversation, they don't enjoy that. You know, sure. what can you do to help somebody who um, they're not comfortable doing that? So you're trying to change their mentality and to uh, get out of the victim mentality and get into more of an empowered mentality, right? Oh, sure. Well, first of all, the uh, most powerful weapon that you possess is your brain. Because uh, people ask about, well, what about guns, tasers, pepper spray? And, and I said, well, you know, that's great. There's a place for all those things when you have the appropriate training. However, I, I differentiate when people start talking about weapons, things they put in their hand. You are the weapon. Whatever you choose to put in your hands is simply a tool you can use to extend your will. And that can be for good or that can be for evil. So, you know, the person that, that doesn't feel confident in doing that isn't very self-assured. I would suggest that they examine their peer group and hang out with the best people that they know. You know, find someone that is and, and let them model it for you just by being with them. It's, and it may take time. Uh, and you may have had a life experience. You know, you may have been uh, assaulted, attacked, robbed, or had somebody close to you have that happen. That's, that, that's a difficult, critical incident. So the way that you get through that is with gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. You know, hang out with good people, do the right thing. If you haven't been to church in a while, you know, don't wait for Christmas and, and Easter, you know, the two times where it's the busiest. Uh, go back to church and, and reflect. Uh, you can find some really good folks there. Now, I bought about homeowners. So one of the things that really impacted me about your talk was it's 3 a.m. in the morning, which is going to be the time you're in your deepest sleep. And if somebody wakes you up, you're at your worst um, and you talked about doing invasion drills and things of that nature. So right. what, what's the, what, the two things you said that homeowners ought to do relentlessly, the two drills? One was fire drill and one was an invasion drill, right? Right. And I would encourage everybody, no matter what your feelings are about firearms, personal defense, uh, let's, let's take uh, guns completely out of this for the moment. And the fire drill is what I recommend everybody do. And interestingly, about half of my peers, half the guys that I know, who are firefighters, have not done this with their own family. It's so easy to take for granted. So simply, you know, pick that time when you're in your deepest sleep and tell your family. And say, sometime this week we're going to have a fire drill and here's what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to go to the middle of the house. I'm going to yell fire drill until everybody gets up, robe and slippers, and walks out the front door. That's all you have to do. And our goal is 60 seconds. So tell them they're going to do that and, you know, pick your evening and set your clock. And, you know, for me, about 3.30 is when I find I'm most drool or, you know, the deepest sleep or my mouth is dry from snoring. Set it for that time, get up and follow through with it. And, and as soon as you yell fire drill, start your stopwatch and just see how long it takes the family. And remember, don't go back for anything. Uh, you know, don't chase down pets. You, you got to get out alive. And what that does is when you actually do it, now here we are talking about it. Every, it, it's so simple and everybody can visualize it. But those of you that really will follow through and do it, number one, you get 50 extra cool points from me. <laughs> and number two, you'll find wow, even the startle response of why is my alarm going off at three? Th- oh, yeah, fire drill. And then follow through and do it. 
But like you said, you notice that you're sleeping your eyes, you're bumping into stuff, the dog's in the way. We're, you know, not at our, our best, we're at our worst. Well, okay, you accomplish that, great. What most people find is it takes their family a lot longer than 60 seconds to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with practice, that'll improve. Now let's, let's move into what you mentioned on the intruder drill. You know, right. what, what happens if you hear the glass breaking, the front door is kicked in, the dog is barking, the, there's a problem bark, and you, we all know what that sounds like. And suddenly you're in a place where, just like fire drill, you are confused, disoriented, had sleep in your eyes, but at some point you perceive, wow, there's someone in my house. And now you choose to reach for a firearm or a baseball bat or whatever and go investigate and stop that problem. How prepared are you for that? And most of us are not. So that is something you can prepare for as well. If you choose to use a firearm as part of your home defense uh, system, then that is absolutely something you need to train with. And I, I can't overemphasize that enough. Hopefully, if you're still listening to us, if we've interested you for this long, please, I implore you, do the fire drill with your family. Just like in October when we set our clocks and hopefully you all change your smoke alarm batteries, you know, have a fire drill with your family. It absolutely could mean the difference between life and death. One of my neighbors, uh, this has been about six or eight months ago, she gets up. I know it was in the spring or summer because it was warm weather. She gets up on a Saturday morning. She goes out and looks out her patio door, and out on her deck is standing a guy. <laughs> and he's just standing on her uh, patio drinking a beer. And uh, she opens up the patio, and she goes, what are you doing out there? He goes, I'm just charging up my phone. He had plugged his cell phone into one of her outside outlets, and he was just out there drinking a beer, charging his phone. And she's like, well, you can't do that. (laughs) You know, and she ended up calling the authorities. But, I mean, you just don't know. Every day, you just don't know what can happen. You never know. And you got to be prepared. And fortunately, she was aware enough to see the guy out there and confronted him. You know, so that was good. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what do you got coming up uh, that you're teaching at Tactical Specialties that people could attend? Well, uh, in January, we have a uh, crisis casualty care, which is a uh, Saturday, uh, eight-hour Saturday of the emergency medical that I talked about, and that is uh, the five things that uh, are most likely to kill you quickly as far as airway problems, hemorrhages, uncontrolled bleeding, and uh, wounds to the chest. And this is based upon over 2,000 case studies with the military. So it's this is not a first aid class. We all know that. I'm not going to show you how to use a first aid kit. But five particular pieces of equipment that in total cost less than $100 but can save your life in an emergency, whether it's a gunshot wound, a chainsaw accident, not breathing because you fell in the pool and have to open an airway. And then in February, we have a half-day indoor course, perfect for February, practical skills with your pistol. Uh, so it's, it's all dry technical. There's no live fire. Uh, we're being hosted by the Hallsville Baptist Church. Uh, they let us do it every February. And how to handle, manipulate, and work your firearm in the context of self-defense and also inside your home. How do people find out more about you or uh, contact you? Uh, my website is tactical-specialties.com. Dot com tactical specialties.com uh, or I welcome a phone call 573-999-7222 wonderful Todd Burke of tactical specialties now we close every interview with uh, some rapid fire questions uh, 12 questions in a row you just give me the answer that immediately comes to mind okay okay number one best memory that immediately comes to mind for you um, meeting my wife where'd you meet uh, we met at uh, University Hospital. Oh, cool. Number one hero in your life? My father. And top value you subscribe to? Uh, honor. That's a good one. I don't know that I, we've heard that one on the show before. Uh, what do you think is the best way to honor somebody? Look them in the eye and tell the truth. Good. I like it. Most important person in your life? It's a three-way tie between my wife and my two daughters. Good. What's your favorite thing in the world? God. Favorite food? Anything chocolate. <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Mount Baker, Washington. What was, uh, what was great about that? The trees, the height, the snow, uh, the fact that we could hike in shorts and a t-shirt in 35 degrees. If you could describe success in one word, what would it be? Living a life with no regrets. I would agree with that. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, that I was a good man. Not a great man, just a good man. 
Advice for a younger Todd. Gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. Slow down, take your time. What's your favorite sound? Water dripping or rain on a tin roof. I like it. And the best lesson you've ever learned. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Todd, thanks for coming by. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, fellas. So thankful for Todd Burke being on this week's show. Be sure to check out Todd at tactical-specialties.com. Stand by. We've got our leadership and business lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. And we know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards. And in our final segment, I don't want to keep you too long, but I thought I'd talk to you about something today that's very personal to a lot of people, and that is your money. And I want to talk to you a little bit about managing your finances and having a better life and being satisfied uh, in all areas of your life, including your financial area. One of the things that I've always done is I've always hung out with people that I could learn from. And I've hung out with some really successful people. And uh, some of the times when I talk about some of the people that I've been around and I've had conversations with and some of the questions I've asked, it just kind of blows people away. Like, wow, you, you were backstage and had a conversation with Garth Brooks? Yeah, not only was I did I do that, he actually got me and my wife a Coke. <laughs> He's like, can I get you anything? And my wife said, a soft drink would be nice. And he goes and gets her a soft drink. And we had the most wonderful 15 or 20-minute conversation. And because I knew we were going to, you know, I prepared. I, I thought, you know, what am I going to talk to this person about? And I learned a long time ago, when you hang out with really successful people, or if you want to even call them famous, one of the things you have to remember is if you want to build a relationship with them and you want them to be at ease and in comfort, just treat them like people. Don't have stars in your eyes and be oh gaga over them and starstruck and all that because that makes them very uncomfortable and they would like to get away from you as soon as possible. But if you just treat them like regular everyday people and that's what they are really they will give you a lot of lessons and so over the years I've read biographies of of people I've had in-person relationships and conversations with people and so I've picked up some lessons from these people that have done really well in life and therefore they've made a lot of money in life and I just asked them what some of the things are that they could pass along as as tips or best practices Here's number one, and and I just gleaned this from several entries in my journal. So these are not all the things I've learned from people, but these are just a few. Six or seven things I think might be beneficial to pass along to you. Number one, if you're in business, sales are insanity and profits are sanity. The gross is the gross. I mean, you're going to gross money, but it takes money to make money, so you're going to have expenses. It's what you have left over and what you do with what's left over that's important. It's crazy to increase your top-line revenue and not increase your bottom-line revenue. If your top-line keeps increasing and your bottom-line keeps decreasing, you've got a problem. Number two, do not increase your lifestyle costs as you increase your income. Have you ever noticed how many people win the lottery and then you hear 15 years later they're broke and they've lost it all? 
That happens so many times over and over because people are not equipped to handle that much uh, monetary compensation. They just kind of go crazy with it. They get into what's called hyperconsumption. And hyperconsumption happens when entrepreneurs or lottery winners or whoever start making more money and they sabotage themselves by increasing their lifestyle costs. They'll move into a better neighborhood. They'll buy a bigger house. They'll join the country club. They'll buy three more cars than they normally would need. They'll send their kids to a private school that they never would have done before if they wouldn't have had that money. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a bigger house. I'm not saying you shouldn't move to a better neighborhood. I'm not saying you shouldn't join the country club. And I'm not saying you shouldn't buy three cars if that's what you want to do. But try to keep your head on your shoulders and think about safety and security financially in the long term. You know, not just scratching that itch short term to have that money burning a hole in your pocket and have to spend it just because you've got it. Number three. Leverage the magic of compounding. This is one that was a very important lesson for me to learn, and I fortunately learned it early on uh, in reverse. You know, people who think interest rates are high now because we went from we went from zero interest for so long after the 07-08 economic crisis, and now we're up to a couple percent, three percent, four percent, and people think, "Wow, that's expensive." Hey, back in the late mid to late eighties, I saw eighteen, nineteen, almost twenty percent interest, and unfortunately, I wasn't on the collecting side; I was on the borrowed side. And so, when you think about how much money you spend extra because you got a 29% credit card or you have a high interest loan. Think about that in reverse. How can you put yourself in a position where you're the one that's earning the high interest rather than paying the high interest? And a lot of times, Bill and I have talked about on the show before, that can happen with dividends. That can happen. You're not going to get a lot of money on interest-bearing accounts today. But, hey, interest rates are on the rise. So try to figure out what's the best way to compound your money, not compound your expenses, right? Number four, set up the funds of wealth. So a really smart person told me that, A, you need to have 24 months of money on, on the side, that's two years of cash in case of emergency. So if you become unemployed, you become uh, in a place where you lose your job, you can't work, something crazy happens, uh, maybe your health insurance stops covering you, you come down with an illness, you need to make sure you've got cash in reserve and have that emergency fund as a goal with 24 months of cash in it. Number two is the growth fund. This is where you put your money to take a little risk and invest some money in your growth fund. I like what Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank says. He says, I send my my dollars out marching like little soldiers, and I expect them to come marching back with other little soldiers. Like, go out, capture the other dollars, and bring those dollars back. The Adventure Fund. This is an interesting one. The Adventure Fund. Every month, deposit. At the end of the year, you go someplace or you do something fun. Money is meant to be turned into goods, services, and fun. And so you will not be a happy person if you don't spend some money and have a little fun. Your mind will start saying, what are you doing all this work for? We work, work, work. We never have any fun. So maybe you get an account that you call the Adventure Fund and you peel off a little bit of your paycheck every uh, week or every month, whatever you think you can afford. You put it in there and at the end of the year, you take it out and you do something. Uh, You spend it. And then finally, you want to put together at least two more bank accounts that you can deposit some money in that mean something special to you. Those can be savings funds for your kids, uh, for college, or for when you want to give it to them on their wedding day, or uh, it could be for nieces or nephews or grandkids or whatever, but two extra bank accounts where you can just put a little money in every now and then that over time will build up uh, and you're going to like give that to somebody or do some, make a donation to a charity or to a special cause or to a 
uh, heart association, cancer society, or a nonprofit organization. Whatever's meaningful to you and makes you feel like you're contributing to a church or an organization, spiritual organization. I don't know what it would be. You know what it would be. You put that together. So emergency fund, growth fund, adventure fund, and two funds uh, that are kind of meaningful for you that you can put some money in that you can do uh, some donating. And so those are the five funds of wealth. Number five, understand the danger of debt. I have learned the danger of personal debt and probably learned it the hard way because I have clawed myself out to being debt free twice in my life. And the first time I did it, I felt so free and so wonderful that you would have thought that I wouldn't have done it the second time. But I got a little bit behind in the economic uh, recession of 07, 08, and I had to dig into my credit cards a little bit. But I have successfully uh, climbed back out of that again, and I am very cognizant of, of going into personal debt where you don't have uh, very much money, let's say, and you're, you're buying a new car because you can finance it. Now, there isn't anything wrong with financing a car, but I know some people are just like, they're financed or they're uh, leveraged down to the penny. And you've just got to be careful about that. Let's say you're not used to having money and you're not used to having things and all of a sudden that puts you in pain because you're like, well, I deserve to have a car just like everybody else, or I deserve to be able to do that like everybody else. And then, uh, debt becomes a pain reliever. So it comes along and soothes your pain because it allows you to buy that thing now, instead of waiting until you have the money. And then all of a sudden you're paying for several years and you're paying not only what the price of the thing costs, you're paying interest on top of it. And you will have paid for it two or three times by the time you get to the end. I mean, Hey, you got to have Christmas and that's all good, but be cognizant of putting too much of your Christmas on credit card because when that statement comes in January, that can be a different kind of pain. Number six is, and this sounds like preaching, and I don't mean for it to, to sound like preaching, but number six is live within your means and invest your savings. comes down to implementation and execution as most things do. When you're worth a billion dollars, yes, you can fly private on your own jet. You can afford it. I can't afford a private jet. I wish I could. I do a lot of travel and that would come in handy. Probably give me a couple of extra days back if I could go on a private jet every time I have to go somewhere. Be careful of envy. Live within what you can do. Be happy. Figure out a way to keep some of it in for a nest egg for retirement and that will serve you well. And then finally, number seven, don't just grow your money, protect your money. And so you need to check into trusts and uh, some things like that that can be some protection mechanisms for you, especially if you own land or property, especially if you have a family that has some holdings, farms and things like that. And I have an excellent attorney uh, that I want to have on who talks about family and legacy. And she only works mainly with people who have family farms and how to protect those as mom and dad and grandpa and grandma get older and they want to keep those holdings in the family and keep those uh, inheritance taxes down. But even more than that, keeping uh, outside parties from taking over that uh, land that have been in the family for years. So don't just grow your money, protect your money. If you're working hard for it and you've, you've been disciplined enough to put it away, you need to make sure to get the mechanisms in place to protect it. So those are some tips on uh, your cash that I wanted to pass along to you this week. Just things that I've learned and, and picked up from successful people who've earned a lot of money in their lifetime. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed Todd Burke. He was absolutely fabulous, in my opinion, talking to us about being safe and secure this holiday season. Be sure to do that fire drill with your family. I think that's going to come in, pay dividends for you over the long haul as well. Isn't it interesting that our life gets better as we become more diligent? 
and we do the things that we're supposed to do in order to have the best practices uh, just in all areas of our life, in the safety of our home, in the protection of our money, in the way that we invest our money, in the way we spend it. In every area of our life, if we will be diligent, uh, I love that saying, your destiny demands your diligence. And so if you want to have the destiny and the destination that you believe that you need to have in this life and that you deserve in this life, it's going to require a lot of work and diligence on your part in order to arrive safely at that place. So great show this week. Thanks for listening. We're brought to you by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I'm Tony Richards. Our chief producer is Bill Foster. Our associate producer is Whitney Coker. From all the staff here at Clear Vision Development Group, until we talk to you next week, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.